Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio, episode 13. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. For all of the resources mentioned in this episode, check out our show notes at rebelgururadio.com forward slash episode 13. In this episode, Eric discusses one of the most requested topics from the Higher Balance Forums, Becoming One with the Universe. He begins by explaining his opinion of what the universe or God is, before going into what it means to becoming one with it. Learn how the foundation, meditation, and surrender, two of the cornerstone techniques in the Higher Balance curriculum, are used to become one with the universe. Then Eric takes it to a third level, sharing a special technique to bring out the big guns and truly awaken in God's dream. Other topics include the tones, and how they're used to navigate reality. This episode marks a big milestone in your spiritual journey and contains the answers to some of the most important questions for spiritual seekers. Enjoy. What does it mean to become one with the universe? Well, you know, you have to to back up and ask yourself the question when one says, what is the universe in that context? I think there's a lot of people who instinctually think God. Because at some point they come to the revelation if they're reading material or around what I teach already or on their own, they realize that the universe is the embodiment of God. It's a living organism in space and it's vast. And in so doing, when we refer to the universe as spiritualists, we think of that as being the body, God, the essence, the flesh, the matter, stars, planets, solar systems, galaxies. This is like the meat and bone, the, the, the neurosystem of the body. And the soul is like the force. It is like this, this energy, this consciousness that pervades within the body. Just like you have a body, you have a spirit, a consciousness, a self-awareness, in some cases a, a soul even. And in all of these are interacting, you could almost say, dimensionally. They're all coexisting at some level. There's an organic level. There's an energy level. There's a spiritual level. There's a consciousness that's intertwined with it all. There's this self-functioning process to it. So there's so many levels on a micro level to you that, that the universe is a macro level on a massive level that we are within, just like you have living organisms inside of you, trillions, an infinite amount. So... When we say becoming one, I think the very first thing is to have that very revelation of what I just said, is to to realize on your own terms, through your own education, through your own awareness or practice with my material, that 
you begin to understand that the universe is a living thing and that we are more or less an organism uh, existing within it and that it's a shared existence. We're not here to do negative, we're here to do positive for it, okay? When you have that revelation, instead of not acknowledging your yourself as to what you are a part of, see, there's that separate division. This is why we call a red cell and a white cell. Red cell doesn't make that connection. It's totally missing to them. It's just them themselves, and they're marching along in this reality of life, and it's about them, 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 them. And of course they have some level of understanding or they find various religions and, and stuff like that. But then there's the spiritualist, there's the white cell that, that has this inner nagging to connect with something more, something that's beyond what can be seen or smelt or heard, that there's a sense in us driving us to become part of, to serve something that's ethereal, a, stag, a static force of energy that's all around us. And all we want to do is how to know is how do we connect with this? So when you have the revelation that everything is alive, that you are in a living frequency, a, a reality made of energy, that this begins to, to create leaps and bounds in, in your mind to begin to connect with it. And that is the process of everything that we teach is, is how is that done, okay? So, you know, to answer your question is that to become one with the universe is to first realize what the universe is. It's God. God is the universe. And through that realization, you now have the beginning. It's like to say, which direction do you begin to walk on if you're on a journey? So you, you look at the distance, you see an ocean. You look at another distance, you see a mountain range. You look at another distance, you see something. So you have to know what it is that, that you are seeking or searching or wanting to know. So when you have that mental comprehension, that understanding, that relationship of I totally understand now what I'm a part of, to become one with it is a practice of meditation, expanding your consciousness, developing your psychic sensory so that your sensory can then create more forms of data coming in, just like your ears, your nose, your, your all your levels of collecting data. You need other uh, uh, recepti to gather a higher form of frequency or energy that no other form of sense can fully grasp. So you need to develop that sixth sense. That begins to interpret this next level of consciousness, dimension, space, time, reality. So by in so doing, you then begin to feed or make the connection and you become a, a thriving being that becomes a, a useful part of the universe itself. And it so then is more able to, to request or dictate direction to you rather than you just existing within it. What's the difference between becoming one with the universe and enlightenment? Well, becoming, you know, one and enlightenment, I mean, to me, they, they, it can take on one of those dual words. There's one part where they're basically one and the same. If you can realize, truly realize it, you know, most people will say, oh, I know I'm one with God. They don't really get it. And, you know, so some people are going to take some offense to me saying that. But all I want is the truth. You want me to tell you what I think the truth is? I'll tell you the truth. I think you're like a parakeet. I think a parakeet speaks words but doesn't know what it's speaking. There's, there's, there's so much parakeeting in books and New Age stuff and everything else. It's so shallow. It's so like, oh, you could say the words and you, you get the general idea of it. But you don't get the deepest meaning of it to the core of who you are. It transforms you and it transforms everything about you. So 
being the one or being enlightened pretty much the same thing but usually when you think the one you think it's like a stop finish thing i'm the one i've i've connected so therefore wordplay depending on culture takes on a, a lot of things you got to be careful how how it's kind of used as a word enlightenment i don't think is a is an end thing most people think oh it's state of mind boom it's on but i think it's a continuous expansion of understanding it's just that you reach a certain level that you f have a greater comprehension than the majority, not all, but the majority of the human race. So therefore, you definitively have a different view. You, can, you are the highest level of the hill that can see the furthest. So what you see may not be exactly what they are seeing. Therefore, there's that, that advantage in a sense or that awareness or that understanding of what's going on. But it doesn't mean you can't continuously go higher. When I also think of the one, it's, it's another way to take a step back. You see, it's, it's a duality. And this is going to get into to, you know, uh, heavy hitting understanding to a certain degree, uh, but it's also very simplistic. And I, I often hear people say after I say it, they go, yeah, that's what I thought. And I'm saying, sure, but where was that thought articulated before I said it? You know, there's no credit when credit's due. So when you say the one, it's to go back to what I said. If everything is a living organism, the entire universe is the body of God, okay? It's just so far beyond our comprehension, so vast, so large. It's like, an, it's like an organism inside of you trying to comprehend what it's inside of. It still has intelligence and maybe not as articulate as us, but there are probably things out in the universe far superior in intellect to us. So in essence, being understanding the one is a duality between understanding that you're one and you're also the universe that there's a duality because you can see yourself as an individual functioning in this moment you could say yeah i'm this person i'm that person but also as the one you realize that you are part of a massive massive collective that's all intershared, inter it's intercommunicated, that it all serves the universe just like everything in your body more or less is working for your consciousness it's helping you gather food for your survival. It's helping you to survive. It's helping you to get experiences. It's marching you around billions and billions of cells creating your body. Yet none of them are really you, but they all coexist for you. So if a cell were to realize it's, it's part of a giant ecosystem, it then would be the one because it sees itself individually. At the same token, the reason I made it the one is to also the fact that it understands by being the one that it's also the many, Alessone. All is one. So all is, is representing the vast, vast universe of everything that exists. Just like if you were to look at you, you're made out of billions and trillions of living organisms. None of them are you. Not right down to the, the center of your brain matter. Okay, it's all other living organisms and cells and, and structures that are coexisting for you. But if, if a cell of your body can, can self-reflect and see its individuality, but at the same time, understand it's part of a massive collective and gigantic ecosystem. It's that ability of recognition that allows it now to step outside of the, the normal flow. And it's able to have a different relationship with the universe. It's, it's able to be utilized with the universe on a different level. That's what makes you a one or becoming the one or it's individualized but yet unison that you understand your relationship with God. It's like saying to the universe, I understand what I am now. I understand what you are. I understand what we are. And this becomes your holy triad that you see fundamentally in almost all world views. You will always see three over and over and over again. But this is a self-revelation of consciousness.
What are some of the pros and cons to reflect on oneness as a spiritual practice? You know, everything needs a level of fluidity. You see, everything in the universe is constantly in change. When something doesn't move, it stagnates, that becomes poisonous, it's death. It's, it's the universe wants to grow just like you do. Do you wanna just sit in one spot your whole life, no stimulation, no nothing? You, the mind is curious. Curiosity means data. It wants to collect new information. There's a constant need for information gathering. When that information slows down or it becomes to a, a grinding halt, there is no more sense of purpose, no more sense of drive, no more sense of curiosity. We are constantly trying to understand and by understanding we create. So does the universe. So in essence, it's one thing to contemplate oneness. There's a serenity that comes from that that's very powerful. This is what you're doing with meditation. This is what you're doing. You're, you're doing kind of the, uh, the opposite, but it, it, it gets you there. That's the point of it. By letting go of everything, you are left with what is truly the final remnant. And when you're there, it's as if it will open up to show you a greater revelation of what's hitting behind it. On the same token, if that's all that you focus on, you also stagnate your consciousness to be contributing to the universe or to God, which is really what your coexistent agreement is. Okay? So you, in essence, have to partially work on that inner harmony, that inner balance, because you're removing all the distractions that are here to keep you in the dough, in the machine, not thinking. It's to make you just basically part of the, the whole wave system, okay, of all the billions and trillions of living organisms and humans marching around as like, say, like robots almost, like home zombies. Uh, in essence, by having the self-awareness that you are separating yourself, that you can see it all, you still have to have an inner harmony, an inner peace by being part of it. Do you see what I'm saying? So this takes a certain skill that, that is issue, but in order to rise above it, to have that view, what holds you down are a lot of your mental thoughts. Your thoughts are designed to, to keep you in a machine, okay, into an organ, organism that has tasks and roles, just like your red cells, your white cells, your different organisms in your body, your, your various bacteria in your stomach, every living thing, right down to the tiniest, all has certain duties. So... In order to have time for self-awareness or to attain self-awareness, you need to, to, to say, I am a conscious being, so I'm going to choose a method to elevate myself temporarily so that I can see the view and then go back down and consciously, while I'm working with everything else, work my way towards this destination that I have a view of in the distance. Okay, And that is always, in a sense, trying to elevate to the highest point so that you get a better uh, spectrum of what's going on. And so... In so doing, everything is designed to, to, to keep you here. The soap opera of life, the drama of relationships, the drama of family, the drama of work, co-work, the need to survive, money, finances. Even some people say, well, I'm going to go out in the middle of nowhere. I know people who've gone out to Hawaii and lived out in the jungle. They come back three months later. Their tooths are all coming out. They're, they look disheveled. You, you've got to find an inner harmony. The best harmony is to sit down in your home and say, okay, I'm going to go into meditation and I'm going to continue working on my perfection. What happens if a white cell doesn't become one with the universe in its lifetime? I think once a person attains a white cell, cell level, you're going to incarnate irregardless. 
the the data becomes so valuable in a sense to the universe the universe doesn't really waste anything it it prioritizes how it it should be used and that's logical the universe logic your body's logical organisms are logical it only makes sense so a, a white cell is going to incarnate in a sense you are limited the success of your awakening your number one goal in life if anything is to awaken and advance yourself as much as possible for the duration of your organic life while trying to coexist. Hence what I've said for decades, one foot in, one foot out, one in this world, one in your spirituality. When you tend to dominate more one than the other, you're out of balance and you're going to, like a spinning top, recklessly go off the table. And this is what creates chaos in your life. If people who pay attention to your life take a notepad out, write it out for a month. If you meditate once or twice a day and you are faithful to that, I guarantee you that's going to be the best, most peaceful month in your life. It's when you wane your discipline, okay, that there becomes a problem. And if you become too spiritual, okay, you're extracting yourself from, from society. What happens is society has a mechanism. It's an order. It's like every organism. It reacts to you and wants to draw you back in. It creates more drama to bring you in. Hence, you got to kind of pacify it as much as you pacify your spirituality. But this is the fastest route to advancing in this, this reality, this dimension. So a person who does not achieve a certain level of awareness in their life is going to incarnate. They're going to keep returning back because the universe is trying to, it's like something that didn't germinate. It didn't, it didn't grow as much as it could. So it's recycled back in a sense, but it still has the same genetic design. It's just redoing it again. What's the importance of being submissive or devoting yourself to the universe? A forum member was worried about the effects it could have on his life if he really devoted himself. Unless you're going to find a monastery-type life where you can surrender all of your worldly goods and worldly desires, okay, and extract yourself to and adhere to their rules and their beliefs, and if they're copacetic with you, then that is one level. The, the problem is you're going to find that you have as many responsibilities to do in, in that form, okay, and this is what people don't think about. There's just as much unhappiness in monasteries as you wouldn't think it but there is and there's also inner politics of having other people who are there to be spiritual they're not all sweet and nice they have issues too and then it becomes the same pecking order this is the human biological issue okay so the idea is to try to find a harmony between the two i think that the greatest tool to meditation isn't so much just meditation and it's something that I and everybody should practice. But, you know, you, you know, with me, I'm constantly engaging to push harder, which means I endure greater levels of pushback from reality, which in a sense creates like a, a friction, a vibration, which creates heat in a sense. Okay. But if I ideally could step away from my duties, okay, then I think that it would become a little bit more simple. Like when, when I worked my normal jobs, I was very happy, very peaceful. Okay, because it was a normal level of stress for me. And in that sense, you what you do is you apply the idea of kind of like Kung Fu. When you have a problem coming at you, you just kind of use that momentum and you just lift it up and over your body, moving with it. Do you see what I'm saying? So you disengage or you train yourself to disengage into the drama. You train yourself to not let your emotions get sucked into the feeding or the frenzy or the gossip because that's what sucks you into the dough. 
you're, you begin to control your life. And this is what everybody forgets. They fall asleep and they start letting life control them. And what happens is, is that you, you lose that inner peace. So even though this person may want to commit his life to spirituality, and I, I would hope he still does or she does, the, the problem is, is it's all in the approach. And the secret is, is, is having long-term commitment. So I still think it's a training of how you perceive things, how you handle things, whether you can try to be an optimist, but even more than all of that, it's about just taking the negativity in your mind, recognizing what it is and saying, I'm not going to feed into that. I'm not going to jump into that. Can you be spiritual and enjoy your life at the same time? I think that to extract yourself from life is not spiritual in any way, shape or form. I think that life was created for you to coexist with. The universe needs something to understand what our reality, what our life is, what our world is, no different than any other world. It needs beings that understand it and act as a excellent conduit to convey to it and has have trained themselves to do that as much as they become observers and partakers in this dimension, this creation. And in so doing, it's it's this this kind of uh, duality they, they are trained to existence, not an easy one. Okay, but what happens is, is that you're here to listen to music. You're here to swim in water. You're here to smell the sweetness of flowers or the, the songbirds in the distance. You're here to to laugh and love and enjoy human companionship. You, you are here to do all those things. Even your sorrows are in forms of of beauty if they are allowed to transform cor correctly. So in, in essence, it's just remembering through that whole process what you're also part of and just how much do you allow yourself to get sucked into that it's a dream you see reality is a dream it's god's dream in your mind you dream in your dream the first thing you fight for is consciousness well that's what you're doing here when you're in a dream if you're not really you're you're aware but not aware so you just whatever happens to you happens to you can have a positive dream or you can have an awful dream but you are being affected by the dough in your dream it's it's deciding what's going to happen to you when you have a level of consciousness in your dream which is hard to do you then can control what it is you want to do there so you're still experiencing you're still partaking in that dream it's not like you shut down the whole thing you, you decide to be like, wow, this is really amazing, or wow, this is a beautiful dream, I never want to leave, or oh, this is a beautiful place. I mean, despite the fact that we remember the horrific dreams versus the great, wonderful dreams, people do have them. I would say try to remember those, okay? But at the same token, if you can awaken in your dream, you, you certainly explore that world. You explore the possibilities of it, the wonders of it, how it makes you feel. Well, we are that aspect in this reality. It's just that we're so in it that, that you don't really think about that. You're not supposed to think about that. And that's the difference between awakening and not awakening is that you realize that reality is all is exactly that. It's 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 an illusion. It's it's something that is made within some other form of creation. So if reality is an illusion, how would that relate to what you would term Alessoni or all is one? Well, now we're going to get real technical, I suppose. Look. If you have a dream and you meet people in your dream, do they not appear in all ways, shapes, and forms to be unique? So you don't look at a person talking to your dream and say, oh, I've, I'm creating this person who's talking to me. Everything that person knows is really me generating it from inside my brain. 
every flea, every every flower, every grain of sand, every vehicle making a noise, everything flying, every person I'm talking to, every piece of information, everything written on the side of a billboard in my dream is really all being created by me. So the question then remains is the person talking to you, if they turn around and they say to you, Joe, I know I'm in a dream. I, I know all of this is like not me, but it's me because at this moment I have self-awareness. The question is, is that is that person within your own mind aware? Are they so so the point is, are you guys all one or are you are you individual in there? So I would say we are all one. But it's still possible to become individual. So just think of this as being the, the same thing. The reality you're in is still being generated by one consciousness, one true final level and that's the force that's god that's the universe expanding so how does becoming aware of that help you connect to the universe well when you become aware then the rules begin to change for you the more you become aware the more the rules change you see the universe has a level of of seeing you let's let's say you are having a dream and in that dream that same person walks up to you and in your dream they go joe I'm conscious of myself and they go, Joe, you're dreaming, but this is the reality you're creating and I'm in it with you. That instant, you, you kind of have this revelation inside of you. you. You somehow tap into the fact that you, you are dreaming. You understand now. There's a part of you that begins to have memories. Think about this of your current life, the life that we call now. So let's call it life one. This is in this room talking. People are listening. Life two is in the dream world right now. So life two thinks that there's nothing, there is no life one. And it's having a conversation in its level two with another person that is aware saying you there is a level one. Okay. The second you do that, you, you start to connect with pieces. This is like past life memory. This is like like you you don't remember everything. You just know there's this other part of you. You know maybe you have a kid or maybe you have a wife. Maybe you have a job. You you start to pull that information and you you feel like it's starting to put you together. So is that past life memories you're having in that other place? What the hell is it? Okay. So if this person is saying they're conscious and you begin to have conscious, what does that make you? There's a sense now of awareness. Now think about it. If I'm awake and I know this is a dream, you just accepted the, the highest truth. This is what enlightenment is. It's not about just saying the words because everybody says the words. They don't know what they're talking about. You now realize without even speaking it, I know that I'm in a dream. That means I can change anything. I have complete ability to manipulate or change reality. The question now is to what extent? Because... In your dream mind, you're thinking, oh, I'll just mess with this or I'll move a car or I'll, I'll do this or I'll get this person to walk this way or that way. You're not really accepting the fact of what you really possibly could do. Do you understand? It, it hasn't even dawned on you. It's like something is preventing you on that level two to really, to really just go crazy there. Do you see what I'm saying? But there is a sense of knowing in your self-reflectiveness, because that's what it is, you're self-reflecting on level two, that there is even a level one going on. Do you follow me? So to answer your question, it is in that moment of self-realization that you're in a dream, truly, truly getting it, okay? Not just saying you're in a dream, because in your dream, you say, you're dreaming, you're like, yeah, I'm dreaming. And it never dawns on you that there's this whole level one to you. 
then you're still in the dream. It's just an echo. And that's the other part of you. The, the self-observation, which you, all of these things you learn through what I train, okay, the self-observation tells you, what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling? There's a self-doubt in level two. There's a, a question whether there is a level one. You're now saying to yourself, no, I really am in level one, and I'm now thinking I'm in level two, and it's making me half nutty. There's all these different anxieties, and you're feeling them right now because you have been on level two, and at some point, you have said to yourself, oh my God, there's a level one and I'm conscious in my level two. It's happened. It's just it's removed or faded from your memory, just like everything in this reality is. It's just things taken from your mind constantly. So the idea is, can you have that revelation? And the real question is, is how long can you hold on to it for? And this is what practice of meditation, practice of all the teachings, it designs you to survive in this, this ever-changing, shifting consciousness that keeps you in the matrix, in a sense. It gives you the skills to adapt, to, to hold your mind together, and to work on different levels. Can meditation and non-thought help you break down the illusion that separates you from level one? It breaks down level one. It can also break down level two. Because your mind is what keeps you here if you try to not talk out loud which i teach you okay it's easy to do i say don't talk out loud for 30 seconds you're like okay and i'm like say something say something you just don't say no you just look at me uh-huh i ain't say nothing i already said i wouldn't oh you're in control so if i say don't say nothing in your head verbally okay for 30 seconds but let me show you several objects you're gonna find that this this voice in your head has to shout them out it can't it can't resist it okay so you're training to be able to get that part of you quiet. You're, you're really going in your head saying, what, what the frick part of me is saying this? Why is it saying? It's the first time you ever looked at your inner self and you start identifying the parts of your consciousness that are, are vocalizing and have an opinion and what are they and where are they coming from and why? Wait, the second you start doing self-observation, you are gaining the power to, to recognize and immobilize those parts of, you, of, of what you think are you, which aren't. They're the machine, but they're the parts of you to keep you in the dough. It's the parts of you that divert your attention when you get really serious about your spirituality. It's the part that goes, oh, don't we want some chocolate ice cream right now? Oh, we could get some chocolate. Don't you hear the ice cream man out there? It's doing its job. So if you don't know that exists and you're not thinking about it, you just think, oh, I want some ice cream. So you go marching out like a zombie. Okay. Or I want this, or I want to do that. Oh, there's a pretty person over there. I want to go talk to them, blah, 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 blah. You, you, you should be self-aware as much as possible that comes through practice okay and you go no that's not what i want you're like a little child in there and every time you want something you want to run off for it i need to to put you in the corner and put you in the corner this is when you become the master you you put these inner desires these inner personalities to the side now and you're saying you have your time i'll give you play time later now is where i practice my inner kung fu and this is, this is the adult's time now. This is the spiritual master's time. And in so doing, you have self-awareness. And this is where the word self-awareness comes from. But this is developed. Just because you understand the word doesn't mean you have it. There's plenty of people who believe they've attained these things because they understand the concept and they haven't attained it at all. It's just another personality that stepped in to fool you. Do you need energy to understand it? Yes. Energy is... 
a very interesting word. We think of energy like electricity or fuel or sunlight, yada, yada, yada. Well, everything has an exchange. You see, there are rules to this reality. If you can understand that reality is a matrix, it's an illusion, it's a simulation, call it whatever you want, and that you're in there, that's the first thing. You've got to realize you're in prison. If you don't know you're in prison, you don't, there's nothing you can do. You're just a zombie. But the second you realize you're kind of in a certain kind of prison of awareness, okay, well, now you've got to accept help from the outside to get you out. That's a Gurdjieff thinking. So in essence, you, you need to understand what is the first thing that, that you need that's the, the, the most usable. In order for your mind to be able to do self-reflection, in order for it to have self-realization, in order for it to, to understand concepts, it needs a kind of food. Just like your body needs food. You need apples and fruits and, and proteins and stuff that they generate fats and, and stuff for your, for your brain to push around electricity and the biochemicals to move data around, move thought around. There are our ethereal consciousness that, that's coexisting in you. Okay, just like I was saying, there's, there's feelings and emotions in you that are overlaid with the billions of living organisms that make flesh, and they all exist for you, okay? But they're receptive. We know this through positive and negative thinking. We can prove all this. So, in essence, you need to feed this dimensional part the specific kind of food it needs because it is uniquely different than your normal everyday thinking. Anybody who's able to listen to what I'm saying, contemplate it somehow naturally, is getting this, but in minute amounts. It's what's sustaining them. Do you understand? It's that curiosity, because the second you wonder about it, you actually draw this kind of energy. This is what we call prana. This is the, the blue energy I talk about. This is the force. And it's like, like plankton in the ocean, and, and you need it. It's microscopic, but if you gather enough of it, it builds up in you. So when you work with this kind of energy, it immediately begins to feed your dimensional body. Your dimensional body has its own neurosystem. And in order to make it strong, just like a baby to, to raise it, you're creating and feeding this, this new, new neural system in your body that's able to perceive and understand time, space, reality, dimensions, entities, all of it. But it, it, you need it because it has its own kind of eyes, its own kind of ears, its own kind of smelling. But it's far beyond what we understand as senses. It becomes the mystical part of the being. It's, it's the part of you that now can perceive beyond your five senses. So it's to say that if you never could see, all of a sudden, how, what a power that is to be able to see distance. What a power it is all of a sudden if you or very few of you could hear and listen to choose direction or where, where to go for something, for survival. Taste for food, what is poisonous, what's not. Smelling, which, which way is the fire coming? Which way is the problem? Which way is there, is there maybe fruits and stuff, okay? Any one of these we take for granted, but any one of these are collecting data from a distance to, to some degrees and, and whatnot. So you need this dimensional sense, this psychic sense, if you will, okay, in order to pursue your spirituality. To, to, it's, it's the tool that creates the ability to step on these dimensional steps upward to move you into a time, space, reality, other dimension. And without it, you are, are trapped in this, this place, this, this plane of reality, this dream. So as a new student, do I want to focus on developing non-thought through meditation or focus on psychic abilities? Listen, you will become anything that you, you focus just on one thing too much. It is nature. It is the design of this matrix to make it so that you become immune to, to resolve. Do you understand? It's brilliant because it's, it's self-correcting computer code.
So anytime you persistently do something, think about it. If, if I said earlier, everything is required to change, okay? Everything needs to progressively keep going. The whole universe is in motion, okay? Everything's in every mountain, every desert, every everything, okay? If you perplex too much on one thing over and over again, it wants to drone it out, fade it from your memory, and make you start wandering. It turns the babbler on stronger so that you begin wandering. It needs to feel that you've got a variety of stuff going on so it has the sense that you are doing things. So it doesn't, it doesn't compress all of its energy to stop you. So you, you need to, to do multiple. You can't just do yoga and do one stretch or two stretches or three stretches. You should be thinking much bigger, but you're still doing yoga. It's just you do yoga for the mind, yoga for the body, yoga for your energy. You do, and this creates enough variety. It's just the difference is, is that you have enough self-awareness that you've selected a school of thinking that's goal is to make you escape the prison. But you've got to make the guards think you're busy and you can't let them see you digging the hole in the wall. The slaves had to create a form of martial arts that was a dance, okay? Because they had to fool the slave masters to think that they were just dancing instead of learning how to do hand-to-hand combat, which was flipping brilliant, okay, on their part. And so you're essentially doing the same thing. You need to to create a, a, a community or become part of a community and become part of a thinking or, or training that is basically being deceptive to, to the masters of, of what is controlling us in a sense, keeping us in the dough, like drones doing our day-to-day job, okay? You have to find a way to, to utilize this kind of thinking and exercising it, making it your world, but at the same time, you're coexisting with it. That's part of the trick. So it works, one foot in, one foot out. Can you talk a little bit about the tones and how the higher balance method can help you become one with the universe? There's many ways to approach the tones. First of all, most people are saying, what the hell are the tones? The tones is a frequency. It's very, very, very real. It's, a, it's kind of like a, a high pitch frequency that you hear in your ear. Some people will hear it. Sometimes you're just laying down for no reason to go really loud in, in one of their ears. And you're like, what the hell? And you just wait a while and it fades away. And everybody kind of knows that will happen. So the tones are kind of like that. You you sit, you quiet yourself, and you listen in the inner edge of your ear very quietly, and you begin to hear a very faint, high-pitched sound, almost like it's not there, but it is. And then as you listen to it, if you listen to it, it fades away. But if you admire it, you just, just kind of ignore it, but you're conscious of it, it'll get louder and louder. And so if you if your mind's eye, it's like if you close your eyes, think about this. If, uh, if I had everybody close their eyes right now, Okay, close your eyes, and I just want you to track this sound. Can you tell me what I did with my hand? It went around your head. How did you know I went around my head? Because of the change in sound. That's right, but you also were tracking in your mind's eye. You were developing an image in your mind that was kind of seeing where it was going. So, in essence, this is a tool to free you. We think three-dimensionally. We think, we get up, we gotta walk through the door. We move, we think about moving our body. Well, we don't even think about it no more, we just do. How do you move your mind? If your mind can move through time and space, how do we get that understanding? How do we teach the unteachable to us while we're in a body? The tones is the answer. You hear the tones, the frequency. If you go to, if you look at it, you'll be looking at it with your mind's eye. The same way you track the sound, you use your tone, you don't you look with your, your mind's eye without 
trying to listen to it. Do you get what I'm saying? There's a difference, and this is why you got to do some of the training classes. They're pretty simple, but it gets the point done. So you begin then to control it, and you realize, oh, I can make this louder or softer. I can bring it in so loud it almost hurts my ear. Okay? It goes from me to I know I sound crazy doing it, but you all have done it, so you know. So then you you find that your mind's eye moves to the left, and you can feel it getting louder and softer. So you find two tones now, and you think, oh, they're one tone. But if you if you admire them carefully, you realize they're two different pitches, and that's what allows them to become two. If you think in your mind they're one pitch, you'll find that they go together, and you only hear one pitch. But if you relax into it and you admire it, you hear two, and then you move on to a third. And the third and the first, and so they always come from the same place over and over again. There's like 10 of them, okay? But most people are lucky to get past three, okay? It's the ego who starts saying they want to go more, but a true practitioner will truly achieve this. And there's ways to prove it. So in essence, you find that you can begin to move through these bars if you give enough time to them. This is movement. This is like um, a flight simulator. When you go into a flight simulator, you put this on or what will be surreal reality, okay, or whatever they call the, the glasses now, and you put it on there, it's, your body ain't moving, but you think you're moving. So with these bars, you can't really see them, but you hear them. So now you've got to imagine you've got this, this reality thing put on, but instead of you visually seeing it, there's headphones on. All you do is get to, to hear it. And if you only hear it, think about the snaps around my head. So now you've got to be like 100 eyes from uh, uh, you know, the Netflix thing there going, well, it's probably, we'll have to edit that because people won't even know what it is in 10 years. But uh, it's, it's like you become a martial artist that is blind, but you learn to use sound on how to, where things are, but now it's in a surreal reality, okay, or a, 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 a virtual reality, and you now are using the sound to move in your virtual reality, and that probably is the best description I've ever given, okay? So now you use these and you start to kind of control them, and I always see them as bars. I imagine them as like pillars, and I'm in a room, and it's a, it's a, a generated reality, and the pillars are always in the same place, but some are far away, so they seem very small in the distance, and some are big, but they're to the left and right, okay? But I can, this is where you have to wrap your mind around it differently, because we're humans. So we think we can only walk over to one, or we can only walk in it. No, this is your limitation in your thinking. What you do is you bring it closer to you by admiring it comes close to you, and the other one comes close to you by admiring. But what you realize after you practice for a little while is that you're able to, it's like, it's like with your body reaching out to grab something and bringing it to you. You realize now you have a form of telekinesis. You can reach out and grab the bar with some weird part in your mind. It's strange. But you, you get used to it, just like having to learn to walk. We forget how hard it was at first until we, we practiced it. We had to do it. That's the, that's the difference. You don't have to do this. That's what makes it harder. Do you understand? But if you have to get up to go to the bathroom or you have to get up to go get food or you have to get up to get a water, you better believe you're going to muster up the strength. There's not a survival need that's recognizable to a zombie. Do you get what I'm saying? So this is where the, this, this is what weeds out the strong from the weak. Okay, spiritually speaking, because it, it takes dedication. So you, you learn to grab these bars and you can move them closer to you. And you can actually move them around with your mind after a while. So instead of just floating around or just kind of listening, there's levels to this. When you can start to move the bars around, now all of a sudden you should ask yourself a question. What if I go into a dream reality and apply the same kind of thinking? moving through my dream. Why can't I just move the whole picture? 
Why can't I do? Why can what can I bring into this reality? The more that you accept that this reality is, but this is a strong matrix, but it's still a matrix that can be affected. And this is what gets into paranormal abilities, miracles, phenomena, strange happenings. All of these things fall into these lines. It's it's how does the mind connect with it, and from what level? Can you talk a little bit about why the tones are more apparent when you become aware in a dream or in reality, and if you fall back asleep, they kind of disappear? It's going to fade. The interest will fade. Right now, you're like, holy moly, okay? And you're getting in. You're excited. But the the self-correcting code does not want you to, to awaken. If you did, it, it changes the whole plan of the whole reality. But only the few, the most gifted, the most, the most determined are the ones who survive out of it. Do you understand? This is why you got to make it a part of your life. You've, this is why you have ritual. This is why you have practice. This is why you, you listen to modules or you train or you, you, you work with these things because you constantly got to keep yourself engaged in it like a hobby. It has to become a part of your life. And when it becomes a part of your life, eventually the matrix adapts to that, but it's always waiting for you to mess up, okay? It's waiting for you to, to forget, okay, on your own accord, okay? Like something happens to you and you spend too much time in this reality. You've got to kind of be in between the two and see everything in a different way and constantly be part of it. That's why you want a kind of community at times because then other people are like-minded. You want to listen and train to modules or read the books. This is what keeps you and it makes you strong. Do you see what I'm saying? It's when you wander out in the ocean and you don't, it's the same thing as about being in prison. If you don't know you're in prison, you can't help yourself. The minute you know you're in prison, how do you get out? You got to have help. This is where the help is the teachings. It's listening to this podcast. It's, it's meeting other white cells in the community. And, and you better hope they're of the same mind because the rest of them are all zombies too that don't think that they're zombies. Okay? So in essence, you have to, to create a life that complements your spirituality. I often say don't live your, your spirituality around your life. Okay? live your life around your spirituality and you will do just fine. Too many people put up pictures and they say, oh, I'm spiritual because I put up uh, Buddhist flags or I have a Buddhist monk head or I have a necklace or something. Rubbish. If you're not practicing, you're not, you're not existing. You're sleepwalking. It's, it's about integrating it into your life. You know, I always say do the three-day battle. The three-day battle is, is like a huge battle. That means every day you meditate twice a day, but you commit yourself to it. You do breathing exercises. You do some energy exercises. You go out. You practice everything hardcore. You, you're like, I'm doing a three-day sabbatical, okay? At the end of those three days, you tell me what the hell's going on. You will feel happier, more at peace, more powerful, more in balance, and more in control of your life than, than ever. But now you have to ask yourself a question. Because of those three days you checked out, now you got bills, money, people are saying, where are you? Relationship people are complaining you didn't, you're not committing to them. It's like you're disconnected, okay? So now you got to ask yourself, how do I fit myself both worlds? Because that other world is going to force itself to bring you back to their world. And if you say, oh, I'm just going to ignore them, you're a fool. You have to find a happy medium, but if you do the three-day one, you have to accept the fact now I've got to climatize and find one foot in and one foot out. I've got to make a schedule for me to stay in this. But if you do the same thing over and over, just meditating, you're going to lose. You can meditate, but add something fresh to it. Do you want to eat the same dinner every day?
How is surrender useful to becoming one with the universe? Surrender is, is another approach. It's more of a, of a conscious approach. When you meditate, you more or less want to forget about everything. You, you just don't, you try to attain non-thought. That means you're not thinking about it. Surrender is a very similar approach, but yet it's different. With surrender, you, you have stuff that are, are bothering you, vexing you, and so you directly kind of deal with it. You look at the issue, you say to yourself, okay, I've got to let this go. I've got to get over this. This is from my past. Everything in your past that's traumatizing you or stressing you is what's holding you in a sense down. Now that may sound a little crazy, okay, but you'll find that every time you go for a holiday with family, they always bring up the past. This is what ke keeps you in that dough network of a family and there's always that sense in you that says, I just want to escape this. I want to move beyond this. Like I don't, I relate to my family. I love them, but there's this other part of me that exists. This to me is, is what I call a group thinking. This is the matrix reinforcing your program of where you belong in it okay so you recognize it you just don't know what it is i'm telling you what it is now you got a meaning for it now you, that's a power okay but surrendering is is like if somebody in your family was abusive with you violent uh or there was a tragedy in your life you will find that there are times when you're laying in bed and you're stressing and you're reviewing this in your head. This was something that happened five years ago, 10 years ago. What the hell? Okay. And it's still giving you anxiety. You're still arguing over. It. You're still resentful at people in your life that, that pissed you off that was involved with it. The problem is these are all anchors. This is what's keeping you from from making your spirituality in the center. It's creating a very powerful babbler. It's it's dealing with basically mundane, everyday stuff. It's over with. It's done. You've you've lived through it. You moved on. So by surrendering, you're kind of saying, "I'm over the shit." It doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean you're going to let other people take advantage of you. Okay, you never you never forget what you know. It's just that there's some part of of knowing it that's still running alive, like it's a program. What you're doing is you're you're removing the emotional impact it's having on on your consciousness, and you're saying, "I'm going to remember it just like I can remember the curtains or the bathroom in my house." You get what I'm saying? I, I know not to flush my toilet if it's got a leaky thing. I got to wait for the plumber to come. It doesn't mean that you're going to every time think of your, your thing and going, oh, my God, the toilet's broken. Ah, you, you, you acknowledge it. But when you have these these past things that you go through all the time in your mind, this has an impact on the neural system of your body, your muscles, your emotions, your your facial muscles. People say, oh, there's just something crappy energy about you. you you're wearing it. So by removing it, people feel like something's been alleviated from you, so they react to that. They don't know what that is. They just seem to like you better for some reason. So surrendering is a whole technique process that I teach. There's a whole process to it. And you learn to kind of encapsulate it and release it from you. And what happens is you just feel like, like just stuff is being permanently relieved off of you. And it makes it so that your mind, when you go into your meditations, has much deeper levels of clarity, much, much more balanced emotions, much more inner peace. And, and it's like everything in your life just starts to kind of work in a better direction. Can you explain how your meditation technique, Water of Life, can help you become one with the universe? Water of Life is like meditation, you could say, is notch one. Um, surrendering is level two, okay? Level three is water of life. I mean, that's like bringing out the big guns, as you guys know, okay? With water of life, you're bringing more an orientation of this physical reality, and you're saying, okay, here is a, a, a glass, 
and the water that I'm going to put in this glass is representative, okay, of pureness, of goodness, of, of all the things I want to, to have in my life, okay? And in a sense, you're, you're imbuing it, you're giving it meaning, you're giving it purpose. If one was to eat a banana and say, you're going to nourish my body with potassium and vitamins, you, you just think about that. Everybody thinks about it when they eat it, okay? There are times when you drink water and you're like, I'm really dehydrated. It's going to rehydrate me, okay? So we look at things, okay, and we have an expectation. So when you have water and you put an extreme expectation of it. It's almost like your mind and your soul become transfixed with it, with how I show how to do it, because it's very specific. You, you are saying that in a very ritualistic way, you're bringing the, this dimension of matter, structure, things you can touch, okay? In the, in the chalice and the water represent that. And you're saying, I'm, I'm making this part of my organic body, but I'm also making it part of my spiritual body because it's affecting my mind, my emotions, my connection to God, spirituality, that I want this to be God so much that this is what I'm taking in. And in it going inside of me is purging me from the inside out, okay, of everything that is undesirable. Okay, so it's very powerful within the mind. It's very powerful within the body organically, and it's very powerful spiritually because it's you're going at it three different ways. When you look at a lot of religions and spiritualities from the very beginning to cavemen, there's always been a representation of fluid being taken into the body to represent washing or cleansing because we see this in nature. Okay, so you're utilizing the common sense of what we understand unquestionably from what we experience in life. You're incorporating in, uh, different kind of details to represent inside of you. But it's sometimes that little push in the mind and pushing the energy in it, the frequency and the presence. It, it truly becomes powerful. It truly becomes magical. And everybody who's done water life always says they're floored by it. It's like one of the most powerful things they've ever done. But some people got a lot of shit they got to deal with. And I have to present something that's going to be the tool for the job. Some things you can do with a small thing to some a medium and sometimes you got to bring in the heavy guns. It's, that's heavy gun stuff. And it, it unifies you with the universe because it's, it's very powerful because it's so many levels of training going into it. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. Meditation. It's more than just relaxation. There are different kinds of meditation, just like there are different tools to do a job. Finding the right kind of meditation will decide whether you awaken or whether you just simply drift. Energy. More than just a thought, but of movement that you can literally feel through your body. Visions. More than a faded idea within your consciousness, but rather a vivid reality so clear it'll make you question reality itself. Meditation, if used properly, will show you how to move the currents of your mind into a better life, a more prosperous life, consciousness expanding, memory improvement, inner balance, higher balance, 
most of all, discover who and what you are and what you can do. Join us at Higher Balance Institute. We'll help change your world. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio. 